Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At more to be we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of more to be host of the more to be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. I'm here today with a special guest and a new friend of mine. Her name is Abby Reich Rockenbau. Did I say that correct, Abby? Very close. Very close. It's rock and ball like Bowser Holly. <laughs> well, wonderful. Okay. Thanks for correcting me on that. I am glad you are here. For those of you who don't know Abby, I'm going to let her introduce herself to you. But I want to tell you about how I actually first heard of Abby. My friend Esther has a podcast and Abby was a guest on the Christian uh, Women's Leadership Podcast. I think I killed the name of that, but Esther will point, point you all in the right direction. We'll give you a link to that. And Abby, so Abby was a guest on Esther's podcast, and I had heard Esther talk about Abby. And then a few weeks later, I still hadn't listened to the episode. I have another friend who invited me to go to the Activate conference with her. And Claire is telling me all about this woman, Abby. I need to meet Abby. I need to meet Abby. And I don't think, Abby, we ever actually met at the conference. We did not. Right? And um, you presented uh, the first session of the conference at Activate, and I did not go to that first session of the conference because I was kind of being my rebellious self and deciding this was my schedule and I would show up where I wanted to show up when I wanted to show up. So I didn't even get to hear your message, but everyone, the whole conference said, Abby's message was the best. Wow. Yeah. Every single person I spoke with, they said it it was the most personally relevant out of all of the sessions that they went to. And so, and it was not a Christian women's inspirational conference. This was on how to grow your online business. So I'm excited to hear your story right from your lips and see how it's going to impact our listeners. So Abby, would you introduce yourself and let us know what has transpired in your life that gives you a place with a microphone on a stage at Activate? I mean, how nutty is that to begin with? So I'm just overwhelmed by all your comments. The Activate thing was so neat because God is so amazing. Let's just start with that. That So going back, let me back up. So how in the world did a girl that grew up in a small Texas town of 5,000 end up on a stage with a microphone? Um, so I grew up in the church. I was there every time the doors were opened, where, whether I wanted to be or not. But I am ever so grateful for that foundation of faith. Mm. So in my adult life, I was a high school speech and theater teacher. I was happily married. I had a gorgeous, curly, redheaded, five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And my husband and I had just had our son, Caleb, who was two-and-a-half weeks old. And then... Life changed in the blink of an eye, a man going over a hundred miles an hour hit my family head on. And I learned that there were no survivors. Mm. And 
if I had heard my own story, I would have sworn that I could have never gotten up from that. Um, mm -hmm. My family was bar none, my number one priority, where my time and money went, um, and all of that. But had I not had that strong foundation of faith, there's no way in the world that I could ever now be on a stage with a microphone to share how big God is. Right. Right. And so it's just, it's been this, so it's been 12 years since the wreck mm -hmm. and just the other day. So I did remarry five years after the wreck. And so we're about to celebrate our seven year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with TJ and I was looking at him and I was just so grateful for God's grace mm. and his ability to redeem and restore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, and as we were talking and I look out in the world and I see so many people without peace and they're frantic and they're anxious and they're unhappy and they're miserable and all these things. And I looked at TJ and I said, I have more peace than 99% of the people out there. Mm -hmm. And it has zero to do with me. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I can say is that because I had to rest in God, because I had to depend on him, because there was nothing left. Mm -hmm. There was nothing left of me. Yeah. And God is that big or else we couldn't be sitting here chatting today. Yeah. Yeah. And you're able to sit here and chat today from a place of healing. It comes through in your countenance, which nobody but, but me can see because we're on video, but it, it comes through. And when I saw you afar at Activate, there's joy that flows out from you. And I remember Claire told me your story and I'm like, how in the world? How in the world do you put one foot in front of another? And, and I probably, I mean, I would like you to kind of paint the picture for us of what life was like in the immediate aftermath for you, because I think that that is a piece that maybe somebody listening is in right now. And maybe you can provide a little bit of a, a roadmap of when you, like, I'm having trouble with my words here, but I think one of our greatest fears is if, like you said, I could never survive if X, Y, and Z happens to me. And sometimes I think that that is such a fear because we can't imagine how to put pieces together and put one foot in front of another. And that's a, I mean, that's such a great question. The, the thing about it is, is that God tells us that his grace is sufficient in our weakness, but he doesn't give us participants grace. <laughs> Meaning that when we look at others going through something, we can't fathom how they can get through it. Right. 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 Because, but his grace is sufficient when we're, we're more in the midst of it. Now, let me not, I've been, let me not paint a picture that life was rosy and I was joy filled immediately mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that wasn't the case. I was devastated and broken. Mm -hmm. I mean, my son was two and a half weeks old. So here I am in postpartum. Um, just all that goes with that. Yeah. And so 
it couldn't have been an uglier story. If, if right. you tried to like write the script, it couldn't have been an uglier story. Yeah. But it goes back to that foundation of, I had to examine, do I believe what I think I believe? Yep. <laughs> and yep. I would say that nighttime is the hardest. Mm-hmm. There's something about dark that is very, very dark when you're in the midst of pain and suffering. And so many times people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, mine is nothing like yours. The situation isn't the same, but the feeling of pain is the same. And so there's not a, we're not in a competition for, you know, who wins the, this is the worst. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> but that when, if there's someone in the midst of that pit, mm-hmm. I need them to know that there is hope. Mm-hmm. There is hope. But there is a time and place that you have to walk through the hard. Mm-hmm. But that as you lock eyes with Jesus, that is the only way you're not going to drown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I call it the pinhole of pain. Yeah. yeah. So when we're in the midst of this pain, we have this just pinhole vision of the world and everything is intensified. Mm-hmm. And for me, I did everything humanly possible to avoid the pain. I stayed as busy as I could. I made a lot of poor choices throughout those years, but it finally came down to, and I always call it my rock bottom day. So the wreck happened on October 13th, 2006. Mm-hmm. My rock bottom day was February the 13th, 2009. Oh, wow. Three years. It was a little over two years. Okay. Uh, it was almost two and a half. I mean, okay. being really close to that. But it was at that point where I had just run into a wall. Like I couldn't keep running because I couldn't fix myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always thought I was strong and that I was capable and I could not do it. And it was on that night where the Lord and I just had this really long conversation, not a churchy prayer, but it was either make this better or take me home. Mm-hmm. The dark night. Ooh, because I thought I cannot get up and just survive another day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because people talk about that. Oh, life's so short, life's so short. And it is when things are good. Life just rolls on by. But when you're in the midst of devastating pain, it is a long And the Mm -hmm. thought of being, I was now 34, but I was still a widow Mm -hmm. and my children were still gone. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is my life and I don't want this life. I don't want this life. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the night that I think like I truly surrendered Mm. because you can be saved, but it's not until you're fully surrendered that you can find that rest and peace that can come from nowhere else. Right. Right. Yeah. As I'm listening to you speak, um, there's a book that I read years ago. My sister-in-law actually gave it to me. Um, and it was around the time that my best friend's husband died of a brain tumor. And I, it was my crisis of faith. Like I'd been walking with the Lord about 
10, 15 years at that point and couldn't understand, couldn't understand the loss, didn't understand. It was the first real loss I'd been through where Jesus was my savior. And it, it wasn't a happy ending. And it was a long, dark battle with brain cancer. And he left a wife and an 11th month old baby. Uh, and I, I couldn't find the answers. And uh, Gerald's uh, sister's story, um, his book's called A Grace Disguise. He, he lost, I think, three of his family members, his mother, his wife, and one of his children to a car wreck uh, because of a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he still had two more like middle, middle school age children to raise. And he, he, I'll never forget the one scene in the book where he describes how when the night comes, you, you're constantly trying to run from the darkness that night, like what you were describing yes. that night. Uh, but the real healing comes when you walk through that darkness to the morning light. And, and yet getting the, the sense I got by the time I reached that point in the book was that this wasn't something that happened the week after. It wasn't something that happened three months after. It was something that took a really long time to say, I got to walk through this darkness to come out on the other side and then begin living the life I now have. Is that a million percent? You nailed it. Because I think that in our microwave society, everything is instant. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the fruits of the spirit and you look at perseverance, you can't learn it quickly. There's no shortcut to perseverance and endurance. There is not. But that's where that true hope comes in. And so how do I, and I did not have joy, the light in my eyes. I didn't recognize myself. Yeah. And so as crazy as it is for those, and I'm sure everybody's like, I've never heard the story. I don't know who you are and and all those things, which is totally good with me. (laughs) (laughs) on this reality television show for morbidly obese people. So I ended up (laughs) on the biggest loser. Right. Right. As crazy as it is, I, without a shadow of a doubt, I know that God ordained those steps and he ordained that appointment for me. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with weight. It had to do with heart weight, not physical weight. Well, and that was the question I was going to ask you. So in that two and a half years, what was the outward sign that that your pain how your pain was manifesting what did it look like on the outside the biggest thing I would say is that my eyes were dead okay yeah it was true existence um I had been overweight my whole life so I mean my weight fluctuated a little but Mm -hmm. up until that point it had never kept me from living gotcha I was energetic I, um, like I said, I taught high school and my high school students were, I I can't even say enough wonderful things about how, what a big role they played in sitting in the ashes with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but every day it was, you're so beautiful. We love you, whatever. So the weight was never my problem. I mean, I'm not saying it was good, but I'm, I'm yeah. saying that, that wasn't a big deal. Um, it was the no light in my eyes yeah. that it was existing. And I thought, 
I've got way too many years left to just exist. Gotcha. So, and, okay. oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> so you keep going. You keep going. No, go, no, really go ahead. So when you, when you went on to the biggest loser, what was going through your mind in regards to the outcome? Like what was your, uh, <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I was terrified the entire time I was there. Um, I never knew what was coming. And the, the, the irony of it all is that I am extremely private. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not on a reality TV show. <laughs> and modest. So I sound like I'm a big liar because people are thinking, oh yeah, you're shy and you're modest and you went on national television in the sports bra and spandex pants, <laughs> sister. Um, I did, I did it, I did it. But I didn't know what the outcome was. I just knew that it was far scarier to stay where I was than to take the step of obedience. That's awesome. That's awesome because I teach a coach training class. And one of the lessons um, that we spend a lot of time on is what motivates people to change. And most people don't change. Most people don't take that step because they would rather stay in their uncomfortable, in their comfortable muck mm -hmm. than step out of the uncomfortable, uh, step out of the comfortable mess into the uncomfortable unknown. Um, and, and there was nothing scarier than to step out. I always say it was when I had to get out of the car, mm -hmm. whenever my parents took me to the airport. And, and it's very easy now for people to say, well, of course you got out of the car, Abby, look at your life now. It's so great. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have a clue what was going to happen. Yeah. I got out of that car knowing that things were going to change, but I sure didn't know the outcome. Mm-hmm. So you, you lost the weight on Biggest Loser. And then what happened? What happened after that with your life? What was the turning point from that point forward? Well, I think because grief makes people so uncomfortable that it makes it even more lonely for the person grieving. Yes. So for those two and a half years, people had avoided me because they didn't know what to say. They didn't want to say the wrong thing. And so not only had I lost my family, but I had lost, not really lost friends. I had tons of people praying for me and loved me, but they loved me from afar. There were very few that were willing to sit in that uncomfortable ash of grief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think that the coolest thing about Biggest Loser was it was this positive thing. Again, I don't think it had a lick to do with the weight. It didn't have a lick to do with it being on TV. I think it was, Abby's not going to break down. She's not, you know, it was one of those uh, things. That, not that I was doing that in front of people anyway, because I was prideful and grieved alone, but it was this really positive, cool thing where it let me rejoin life. Gotcha. Yeah. People saw, oh, she's resilient. She's able to do this. And now, now we can pick up the relationship where we left off. Well, and like I said, I think that people wanted so desperately for me to be okay. Yes. That then it was, they were very happy to see that I was living and, and, and doing way better than anybody dreamt someone would do after the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But honestly, whenever I got back from Biggest Loser, there was that season of anything, anything apart from God 
is, is just a thing. Mm. And so it was this, I was, part of me was very glad. I thought I was just going to be out of the spotlight again and I could kind of just go back to, to normal, um, Abby, but with this light in my eyes again, because it was very healing that yeah. experience. Um, but then people started asking me to speak after I went on the show. And so that was how I got the microphone. Gotcha. And oh my goodness, I remember crying to my mom. I was, because my mom was, is my rock. I, I mean, my parents are so such a big part of who I am. And so I would call her and say, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too hard. And I'm not doing churches. <laughs> and I'm not doing churches. Because every time you start walking in God's will, spiritual attacks, you can bank on them. Oh yeah. Oh, bank on them. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, I am tired. I cannot be handling all that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the best way that I know to describe it is, and I felt because I had this strong foundation of faith and I knew my own weaknesses and my own sins and all those things, then there was that shame that went with, I know better, but I'm not doing better. Mm. And so I've been very open. I mean, that there was a very long time, like a, a season of prodigal behavior. Sure. And where, but this is the most, so if I look at where everything changed, the only way I know to describe it is that God wooed me back home. Mm. When he should have smited me for my behavior. And most importantly, my heart was so defiant. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And instead of that, he wooed me. That's the only way I know to describe it. He mm -hmm. left the 99 and he came and got me yep. and he cradled me in his arms and he brought me back home. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when everything completely changed. Wow. And that was about eight years ago. Okay. And so for the eight years, I started reading the Bible again but instead of reading it as a self-help book and instead of reading it as how God could serve me, mm. I read it from the viewpoint of, I want to know God's character. Yep. I want to know everything about who God is. I say that I serve him. I say that I love him, but I need to know him more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I changed my perspective, through his word, that was whenever he totally changed me. Gotcha. So how many years was that after the accident? So that would have been eight years. So it was probably four years. Okay. Four, four and a half years after the wreck that then I started those convictions that I needed. I was traveling all the time because I could not stay busy enough. So, and that was whenever I was speaking, just nutty banana schedule. And I would get on the plane and I would get a, what I call, you know, a rag magazine. And I, I mean, I could have told you anything about what was going on in pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. And 
So I have such a love affair with Francine Rivers. Um, she doesn't know me yet, but I really think we will be best friends one day. Uh, so, Francine, if you're listening, I love you. If she's uh, listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, because of her obedience, she tra- she was such an integral part of my of God wooing me back home. Interesting through her books. Through her books, and so I asked a former student. I need something else to read because I was really convicted about the trash I was putting in my mind with these magazines. And so of course, everybody always recommends Francine Rivers, Redeeming Love. And and it's a great book. The only one I've read. (laughs) Okay. And Redeeming Love was fine. Yeah. But it was, I could, I just loved her writing style. It was very easy to read. So then I read the next one and then I would read another one. And then I read um, the last sin eater. Uh It's written in a dialect and it is amazing. So if you struggle with grace, you need to read the last sin eater. Wow. But the book that changed my life was the lineage of grace (sighs) and it tracks Jesus from the old Testament to the new Testament and all of the women that played a part in the, in the fulfillment of God's promise through Jesus. But the reason the book changed my life was because it made me hungry to read the word, the stories and the women and the people she wrote about it wet my appetite in a way where I had to get into the word Mm -hmm. and that, because being in the word is what transformed me. But that's Mm -hmm. the reason I say it was through her obedience because she had, she used to write, um, romance novels. Yes. Yes. And then she, she used those God given abilities to put words on paper that bring people to life. And because of that obedience, God used that in my life to then make me hungry for the Bible. And that is what has driven me, fueled me and helped me get out of bed for the past eight years. That's amazing. The, the, the mission at more to be is helping women have a fresh encounter with God and his word. Because it's the word that changes us. It's not just saying I'm going to do something differently. The word is what motivates the heart to go in a new direction. Because the action is honestly immaterial at this point. Right. Until your heart is right. You can never be good enough. I kept thinking if I could just clean myself up enough, if I could just get right and just act right then, because then the devil just loves to come and earworm you and remind you of every bad thing you've ever done. And so I would avoid church because of my own shame and guilt when God is, is he holy? Can he tolerate? I mean, he is holy and he cannot tolerate sin. Right. That's the reason he sent Jesus. Yes. Yes. Because that makes us righteous, not anything that we can do. So God meets you in the muck, in the mire, in the yuck, but he doesn't leave you there. No, no. The world will leave you there, but God will not leave you there. Well, and even when you were saying that you were reading, you know, those trashy magazines, but you felt a conviction and, and the thought that came through my mind when you said that, I'm like, you had not sinned and hardened your heart to the point of quenching the Holy Spirit. Right. You didn't feel conviction. The Holy Spirit brought that about in you. 
And, and by, that's just like, I get goosebumps. My hair standing up on end. I mean, because that's the kindness of God that he's, he looks down and sees you sitting on that plane and you know, what's going through our loving heavenly father's mind is not that girl. What on earth is her problem? I'm going to smack her upside the head. That's how we hear him talk to us <laughs> at, times. at times, but, but he's looking down and saying, I love you too much to let you continue to be comfortable reading this junk. I, I'm going to give you a longing for something better because you are my child and this is not what you were made for. A million percent. And I think that sometimes I compare my, not compare myself, but I see a lot of my own in David. Yes. <laughs> because I did always love God. I had just let the world, the noise of the world skew who God truly is. But in my mind, I had let that creep in who I thought he was. Yes. Yes. And God is not who we think he is. God is not how we feel. God is who he says he is. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think... I'm going to go all over the map here for a second, but in first John, it talks about, we know the love of God through the people of God who love God. And I think that the biggest like offense in our world is that we do not know how to love those who are grieving. I mean, I could probably list 18 other different big offenses, but the one that happens ordinarily day in and day out, Every, every community, every place is what do we, we do not know how to grieve. And you said it. I mean, and so I'm not surprised that in those, that two and a half years you went into your darkest because it's just the numbing. It's the, Mm -hmm. it's the, and, and to rebel against God in that season makes perfect sense because uh, the stages of grief include denial, bartering, anger <laughs> before you get to that place of acceptance. And yet I think I'm always like a problem solver. If we could help people grieve well, what would that do for God's glory and kingdom work? I mean, and I think, I mean, a million percent, but it's one of those things that, <clears throat> There is nothing that will heal you except God. Right. Nothing. Right. You get to a place where the outside world, you think you've got it together. Sure. People thought I had it together. Yep. Yep. But it wasn't until I fully surrendered and said, I give because the rat race and running, I am exhausted. I am exhausted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was whenever I went to the word and just dug in and went yeah. full in, what I realized was I, I didn't have any questions for him. Oh, interesting. I'm not asking why I'm not claiming that it's fair or unfair or anything. When I get to heaven, I have no questions. It will be full on worship. Because I know God's character. He is holy. He is loving. He is kind. And he knows better than me. Mm. And I trust him. Have you seen 
evidence of what the enemy intended for destruction God is using for the saving of many lives? It is the, uh, this is probably the one place where I'll tear up. Um, it's the most humbling experience in the world. Yep. Um, because in the beginning, my heart was, and I remember sitting on the couch and I looked at my mother and I said, I don't care what good comes from this. I would pass the cup. Yeah. I would trade it back. Mm-hmm. And I have come to this place. It's hard as it is to say, my family is safer in God's arms than they were here with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it hard? Is it brutally sad at times? Mm-hmm. Do I miss them mm-hmm. beyond what I can articulate? But we're talking about the difference between heaven and hell. We're talking about the difference of eternity. So if God is who he says he is, am I willing to lay down my treasure here so that more might know him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At this point, I can say that I am at peace with that. Mm -hmm. Um, on a personal level, is it fun? Mm -mm. No, it's not fun, but look at every person that God used. Their lives weren't fun, Mm -mm. but their lives counted where it counts. There are no words (laughs) because there is that. I guess the words are that this, this Christian life that we lead is always and forever the tension between joy and suffering. Yeah. It always is. But that's the thing is that you can still know joy in the midst of suffering. Yep. And that's where I can say that if anybody questions, is God real or whatever, like, let this broken vessel right here that's coming through the airwaves say that I would not be here if it were about me. Right. I wouldn't be here. Right. And I sure wouldn't laugh and, and truly, that's what I say. You can fake a smile, but you cannot fake joy. No, no. Yeah. You wouldn't, if there was no Jesus at work in your heart right now, there would be no reason for you to even be on the other side of, of this call. And and be even telling a story. There would be no story to tell, right? Because there's the story is in the redemption and not the the sorrow. And so the redemption in this situation is not that God, you know, raised your family from the dead, which we, we would love and take in a heartbeat. The story is that he has been sufficient for you since. And that's what I need people to know is that it's not about me. Every bit about this is about who God is. And so if God can do this kind of work in in me, when they're in the midst of that pit, there was no one telling me, you will not always feel this way. That is the lie of the enemy. Yes. That God is faithful. He is good. And no, you may not get what you want. Your circumstances may not change, but he tells us that we are that we are have courage and that we are of sound mind, even when we feel like we're losing our minds. Yeah. Yeah. But that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Mm-hmm. We are not victims. We are more than conquerors because of what Jesus said. 
And so every time that the enemy comes and earworms you and lies and tells you, poor you, and this is unfair, you know what it is. It's hard. It's unfair. But you take that thought captive. Amen. And you make it obedient to Christ. Amen. And that's the choice. That's the choice that God gives us. We can either be like Abraham who believed God Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or we can be like Lot's wife and turn, keep turning our heads and turning to salt, keep turning our heads and and get stuck. Yep. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And that passage to take captive every thought mean that in the context of it is demolish, demolish arguments and pretensions of every kind. I mean, if I said to you, Abby, I'm going to demolish you right now. And people would be like, whoa, what's your problem? That's like a little intense. Demolish is a strong word. And, and so it's not a passive faith that we are called to live. It's an active warrior pose. A that, million percent. Right. But what I kept coming back to is that it is not about me. Yep. It, it says, pick up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I always go back to Peter on the water and it's whenever he's walking across that water, so long as his eyes are on Jesus, he is on firm footing. The second he takes his eyes off and he looks at all the, the scary of the water and, and all that he drowns and it is the exact same thing for us. Right. 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 We, and it's, in, in times of massive crisis, which is what you've walked through, and in times of every day, like my listeners have heard me talking about the fact that our, our backsliding door was leaking, our boiler broke, our mm-hmm. washing machine broke, like those are not life crises. They're certainly inconveniences, but when they all stack up at the same time, you are left like, what in the world, Lord? Mm-hmm. And in those moments, I think God allows those moments in our lives to do two things. One, to remind us this isn't our forever home and, and try to get us to pay attention to eternity again, because everything's breaking here, no matter what. Um, and, and two, to practice the warrior stance. It's saying, right? What are you going to say? I, mean, I think that more than anything, I think that a lot of times we handle the big things really well. Yeah. It's, it's the messy middle of life. It's the mundane of life that that is the perseverance. It's the, when the guy cuts us off in traffic, it's when the, um, a person behind the counter is rude. And and I failed in several of those tests lately. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. (laughs) Um, But I think it's those things that that is where, the perseverance is gained is whenever we walk it out on the regular and we get off the mountaintops and the valleys, right? That we can't just have mountaintop and valley experiences that it's, that's where I feel like I made this really big shift seven. So eight years of, I was definitely saved when I was six years old without question. Mm-hmm but I finally started maturing in my faith at an exponential rate seven and a half, eight years ago. 
Yeah. And so there have been many ups and downs and in-betweens and dry, dry seasons, mm-hmm. but it's, it's different now because I know God, right? I know right. him and I really love him. <laughs> it's good to love him. I'm, I'm been doing this Christian walk thing for 25 years and I feel like I'm just understanding his love for me which is expanding exponentially my understanding of how much he is love and, Mm -hmm. and then making me love him more. And, and with that, I wouldn't have believed anybody if they told me this five years ago, even the more, you know, God's love, the more you trust him. A million percent. Right. But I can say I have walked through the same kind of situations in this last month that I have had to endure before. And before there was a chaos and a, I mean, not only was there chaos in my spirit, there was a chaos that I was bringing to my environment, to my people um, that did not exist such to the point that other people commented to me. You didn't, I didn't mean to hear you fuss about that. It's like, what's there to fuss about? God couldn't figure this one out. It's not up to me. And, and we just stood there in the stairwell at church and looked at each other. We're like, wait a minute, where's Lisa? <laughs> Where'd she go? Because <laughs> it's not, it, it, it's not my nature to be um, without chaos. And yet with the more of an understanding of God's love, there's less chaos. Oh, there's just nothing. There is, there's no amount of money that will ever buy peace. Nope. nope. None. And I will say unequivocally that I live in peace. Mm, That's awesome. And I know that's in one of the passages that we're going to look at. So, you know, I really want to, I want to share this one passage that you had mentioned to me. So we do this on all our podcasts. We, we actually go and read the scriptures. I'm sure if anybody just grabs their Bible gateway or their phone search, they probably already heard about 29 different Verses, right. <laughs> um, and so I'm gonna when I when I do the notes, I'm gonna reference some of those because I think it's really powerful. But we're looking at Romans five, and I just think it's gonna be neat to read this and realize that this is the narrative of your life. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you would call it that, but I, I'm hearing that in you. So Romans five verse one says, "Therefore, since we have been made right." In God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right 
in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. It's good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Well, pretty much everything in the Bible is good stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's oh. true. It's true. Anytime we read it, the whoever is on this with me, we're like, mm, uh, you know, like good. Why bother talking? We should just read scripture out loud. Really, is what it comes down to. A million percent, right? But what really rose out of the pages for me in reading this passage is that God's economy is different than our economy. He chose death to bring life. We see death as finality because we know what it's like to live on the other side of it. And so how does that impact you when in your faith and when you look at it from that perspective? I think that being in God's word is so it's where it's one of those things you've got to get into God's word until God's word gets into you. Yes. Our pastor says that all the time, but that was my quest because when you know God, that is where that changing of the heart happens so that then you start measuring the economy through God's eyes. Yep. Yep. And so then it becomes whenever it, he tells us, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and I will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And, but the beauty of that is when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then our desires become his desires. Mm -hmm. And that was what, for a long time, I didn't know what to pray. And so Mm -hmm. that was what I prayed. Lord, give me the desires that you want for me to have and then give me the desires of my heart because I'm too selfish right now to even know what to pray. Yep. Yep. And I never want more than I can handle where it takes my need off of you or my eyes off of you. Mm -hmm. And so through this passage, when it talks about that we are made right, it gives all of the, all the power goes to what Jesus did. It's nothing what Abby did. It's nothing what Lisa did. It's, it's what Jesus did mm-hmm. and that we can rejoice. I mean, how crazy is that? We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Yep. Yep. And I think most of us at some point have said, there's no way that I'm going to be rejoicing in this situation right now. And I, and I think there is grace for the moment of saying, honestly, God, I don't see a place of joy. There's no, there's nothing joyful right now. But mm-hmm. it, it's that even back to the God economy thing, we think that joy must be in that moment. And, and God, I think, says that joy will come in my moment for you. As you, yeah, as you, <laughs> but, but not in the circumstance, but in his presence. The way I always interpret it is we don't have to be thankful for our circumstances, but we can still be thankful in the midst of our circumstances. God is worthy of worship all the time. Mm -hmm. So when it says give thanks in all circumstances and second Thessalonians, 
I can never remember the exact address and I'm really working on it. But, <laughs> but it, it, it never tells us like, I will never be thankful that my family died. I will never say, Oh, thank you, Lord. That's not his command of us. Mm-mm. His command of us is to worship him. Mm-hmm. His command is to still be able to say, Lord, you are good. You are holy and you are enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and that the being out of peace is really, I think God wants us in peace all of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's when we get our eyes on the circumstances that that's whenever it makes it about us and our pain. Yeah. And not that that is not exceptionally real, but at the same time, at the point where we can honestly say, God, I know you enough. Yeah. You are trustworthy. You are holy and cry out and say, Lord, I don't even know what to pray. Yeah. I don't even know. I want to be obedient, but I am hurting so badly. That is where his, his word does not come back void. Mm -mm. He does not come back void. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell anyone that your life is going to be roses and rainbows and unicorns, Mm -hmm. but we've got to take that off the table. That that's our objective is for our lives to be easy and peaceful, peaceful from a worldly standard and that everything finally falls into place. And then I'm happy. Yeah. You will never be happy. No, there is never enough in this world. Never enough. No, I was just reading in Matthew 24, preparing to write a devotional for a site I contribute to. And um, the subheading on the, the passage for Matthew, it says um, the future. Uh, I forget how. It's something about Jesus talking about the future. And then I'm like, oh, great. This is awesome. Like, maybe there's like a promise of something really awesome happening. And uh, <laughs> not so much. Basically, it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... read through some pieces here it's so disheartening because jesus is is predicting about what is to come he's at mount the mount of olives um and he starts talking about uh to not let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name and claim that i'm the messiah and he goes into talking about what to anticipate in these times and it says um (laughs) you will hear of wars and threats of wars but don't panic um, you, you will hear about wars against nations, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes. Uh, this is only the first of birth pains, but more to come. And then he gets really happy here. He tells us we will be arrested and persecuted and killed um, and that we will be hated all over the world because we are his followers. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, you can tell in my Bible what passages I'm not a fan of because I don't underline or highlight any of it. And like, this is a passage I would like to skip over, quite honestly. But if we lived thinking from that lens, like, oh, this this is actually going to get worse on earth before we see Jesus in heaven, it changes our expectations of what's coming to us and what we deserve. A million percent. And this idea that we're going to live our best lives now I want my best life in heaven. Yeah. I want every, I don't want a single applause. I don't want any attaboys, nothing. I want, I want everything, those eternal things. Right. Right. And that's where, when you know God and you know what the Bible really says. And one of the biggest things, if whenever I do any kind of public talk, 
my biggest thing is do not take a single thing that Lisa and I say as the gospel. Don't. Right. Every word that we've said against the word of God. Right. Right. Never take, we are both human and flawed. And while I think that what we've said is biblically and scripturally sound, Mm -hmm. never just take it at face value. And in the same vein, don't, I mean, there are the things that are appealed to our human nature that we don't want to hear, like passages like that, that life is going to be hard, that people are going to hate us for being followers. Mm -hmm. That none of this is a surprise to the Lord. No. And, and, and all of the news and, and everybody getting up in a lather and trying to create this panic. Yeah. God's not panicking. Nope. He tells, and just like I love where he says, don't panic. Don't panic. Yeah, don't I know. panic. I know. And you know what else he says here? It's from your Romans passage, the same concept. Um, uh, and it's not your Romans, but you know what I mean. <laughs> sure. you, don't, you don't corner the market on Romans. Um, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. I mean, God's mission is the good news to the ends of the earth. Yes. And he, he calls us to one task, which is to endure. Yes. And so if you're, okay, so if I've been listening to this podcast, um, say 10 years ago. Yeah. And I had heard people like getting all like fired up about the Bible and scripture. I'd be like, okay, that is just not me. Like I've tried to read the Bible. Um, I find it dry. I don't understand it. It's very difficult. Um, sister, I would have been right there with you going, me too, me too. So Mm -hmm. my one little piece of advice for, um, people out there that don't love reading the Bible is to change the translation. And Lisa, you're using it, the new living translation, yep. Yep. but I'll go one further and say the life application study Bible in mm-hmm. the new living translation, life application study Bible in the new living translation. That's awesome. I promise you it will change the way in which you read the Bible. Yep. And if you're like, okay, I don't even know where to start, then I'm going to recommend that you start with John. Just mm-hmm. start with John. Start with John and then just read through it. Yep. And just ask the Lord to give you fresh eyes that you can read the Bible for yourself. Because this is truly so. I run an online ministry at rockthis.org. And then I also have started a new business that's not. Christian specific, but because I am, that is who I am, then there's just always going to be that part of it. Yeah. Right. Right. The Bible in that one. But the biggest mission of, of rockthis.org is to disciple women, to disciple women, to know God for themselves. Because here's the thing, your preacher is not going to give an account for you one day, your mom's faith, She's not giving you an account one day. You will give an account Mm -hmm. in the same Holy spirit that lives in Billy, that lived in Billy Graham in, in, in Lisa and other people that you admire and respect lives in you. And so never discount what 
the revelation and the abilities God will give you when you seek him. I know so that's my biggest, like that's the teacher bossy in me. Go get your new Bible and get to reading sister. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I mean, it's what we talk about all the time because, and I'm a biggie on verse and context. Like stop quoting the good ones that you just want to slam on the coffee mugs. I love them. I have them all over the place, but they could become so much richer when you understand the context in which that was communicated. The whole Bible is a story of God's work. And so we can't expect to understand it by just reading and picking out piece verses. It makes more sense when the whole thing is together. Well, and that is, I mean, I mean, we are best friends. We've just met we <laughs> our, your spirits. And I like to use the Allstate commercial to prove that exact point. Tell me, tell me. Okay. So in this, or State Farm, sorry. The State Farm commercial, there is the little precious 16-year-old girl and her dad standing out there. She gets the new car and she's like, oh my goodness. And then it cuts to this other frame where this dude's car has been, it's on blocks. He's, it's been wrecked and stolen. He goes, oh my goodness. And the words are exactly the same for both yes. of these people in the commercial, but yet they have a completely different meaning because of where they are, where it's set. Yes. And the exact same thing happens in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You cannot just look at the words. You must look at the context of where it rests. That's awesome. That's a great illustration point. And I was even going to think that you were going to go, in our in the working of the Holy Spirit, I feel like he he brings new layers of understanding to, to the scriptures as we go through new experiences. And so it's like the chicken or the egg. Like you'll walk through a situation and you'll be like, man, that's what God is talking about. Then you read it in the word and you're like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Then you go through another experience. You're like, oh, that's what that means. And so I always try to encourage women to go for the long game not the short game. Like do not expect that your 10 minutes of reading a chapter and a half of scripture is going to mean anything to you. You're filling up the storehouse of, yes. of resources for the Holy spirit to draw on. And, and you don't know when that drawing is going to come, but certainly for you over your lifetime, there was a storehouse that carried you for probably two and a half years or more. More. Yes. A million percent, a million percent. Yeah. Why do we not live next door? I don't know. You okay, could, so uh, I'll come to Nashville. I, I think I'd rather come to Nashville than make you come up here. <laughs> the weather's better. <laughs> I have way lots of room for you to come stay upstairs. Sounds uh, good. I'm coming. You're not the first person that's offered me a spare bedroom. So I, I'll, I'm, I'll put you at the top of the list. <laughs> okay, good. This is totally random and probably not for whatever, but like, so I remember you from Pinterest. What? That's funny. You are on one of my group boards. Okay. And I am very particular. I don't share a lot of Christian bloggers because I don't, because the vetting process is very important to me, but I can remember reaching out and being like, okay, I really want you to be on this other board too, because the quality of what you do is amazing. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason whenever I saw that you were at Activate and we hadn't met, I was like, what in the world? Like, I really love her. (laughs) 
put it up to met her and activate. I know. We would have stayed up all night talking probably, which would probably have been fun. So. Well, I'm glad we had this time, Abby, and I my face is hurting from smiling and who, you know, that is the joy of the Lord, right? That we could start an episode talking about the worst situation any of us would imagine and that you had to endure. And yet you could be joy because Christ is joy in you and bring us to the end of this episode with smiles on our face and knowing that we're, we're living for eternity together. And that, um, I think if we could, like I often sit here at my desk and I look around my office and I try to imagine all the listeners crammed in here. I mean, I hope there's more than one fit in my shed, but <laughs> the idea that, that we're all like locking arms together and saying, your stuff, my stuff, we're going to Jesus. And that's who we're going to worship together as we endure and persevere and find hope in God's promises. Uh, so good. So good. So good. So Abby, can I put you on the spot and ask you to pray for us? Of course, of okay. course. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, what an honor and a privilege it is to get to spend time with fellow believers, Lord. And and Lord, I just thank you for this podcast. And I thank you for the technology that allows it for us to reach just normal women who love you to reach people that we wouldn't get to meet in real life, Lord. And and I know without a shadow of a doubt, there is someone that is hurting and, and needs your peace mm-hmm. and your joy, Lord. And I just pray that this is confirmation that she is loved and that it, that your, your grace is sufficient, Lord. And I pray that you would just be with this audience, Lord, and they would have just fresh eyes for you and a, a new excitement for your word, Lord, that you are all that you say that you are. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we thank you for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Abby, will you remind everybody where they could find you and stalk you down and become your best friend? <laughs> well, um, so the ministry, all of all of my writings and teachings about the Bible and things like that are in ways to encourage you and show you a way to read the Bible for yourself is going to be at rockthis.org. Mm-hmm. And then if you are a business owner and you are looking to improve your speaking skills, you can come on over to the brand new, brand new business called speakingforbloggers.com. And then, of course, if you're hiring speakers, then you can go to abbyreich.com. I mean, I just like to be, I just like to have three websites to to work on, y'all. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be, and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies and worksheets, audio recordings, video teachings, and exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for you. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.